0: is an opportunity now for a bit of a QA and I'd love to invite up Jez, and let me just say that no, no, no question is too simple, no, no, no question is too difficult, and if you uh, put a question in and neither of us can answer it, then we'll, we'll happily tell you that we can't answer it, but we would love to go and do a bit of research and come back to you on that. So f- please feel free to grab your phone, scan the QR code, stick a question in, and, uh, and between Jez and I, we will, we'd, love to, we'd love to engage with you. On this, on this theme of, of, of how can I change, such as Yeah, oh, I've got my got mic. Yeah. I like might even better.
1: We're cooking, there we go. cooking on gas.
0: Yeah, I, I can't just hand over the mic and, <laughs> and just get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna, Any questions, has anything come up yet? Go, go for it, please do.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really good question, and maybe a good starting point is, I think, the four ways in which Matthew's life changed when he started following Jesus. So there was, a, there was a leaving things behind, and I think that might be something that's relevant to some of us. If we're looking to change, we might need to be thinking through, are there certain things we're doing, saying certain attitudes, certain ways we've been used to being that we need to leave behind? I think that leaving behind might not just be as simple as Matthew getting up and walking away from his tax collectors booth mm. so depending on what the issues are those might be quite big things to work through and to pray through and to be seeking counsel on with other Christians mm. there might be issues that are so big that we need expert advice and counsel to be working through them mm. as well and then I think uh, uh, Matthew didn't just leave things behind, but he stepped into things as well. He stepped into a new community. And I think there's a, a real sense in which we can often change within community. And I've found that through small, let's say, discipleship groups, through spending time with Christian brothers and sisters, through being engaged in church that God is shaping and changing me and making space for me to change in, in, in the ways I need to through that, and then Matthew as well, he had a new master. Mm-hmm. So I guess looking to Jesus and thinking about our lives and thinking what, does, what is Jesus saying through his word, the Bible, to yeah. us about all these different parts of our lives and what would it look like to change in the ways we need to um, in all those different parts of our lives. So again, that needs a certain wrestling through. But um, I sometimes think about mm-hmm. the Bible a bit like a... Um, maybe something like a, a, a mind detector, something like that. You, you, you scan it over your life and see what beeps. Mm. Or the image the Bible uses is of a plumb line, you know, holding ourselves against it and measuring. The plumb line was used to measure as a wall exactly straight. And if we hang the Bible against our lives, we can see what in my life it needs to change mm-hmm. a little bit. Another image that Paul uses in Romans chapter 12 is of renewing our minds. Let's not be conformed to the pattern of this world, because the world has a discipleship program that it's putting us through every day, yeah. every moment of every day, and that's real. And we need to recognize that. We're not just existing neutrally there, it's shaping us in a certain way. Yeah. Let's not be conformed mm-hmm. to the pattern of the world. Let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we do that yeah. as we bring God mm-hmm. and his word into our lives uh, individually and in community.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah it's a great, great question, Eleanor. Uh, I think as well, often one of the big barriers to change is our own pace of life and our hurry. And uh, I think as people, we can be quite often quite poor at self-reflection. And I think creating space for self-reflection through retreat days is key. Um, I mean, since, since uh, working for the church, I was encouraged to take some time, uh, three, four times a year for retreat days to go away and, uh, and spend a full day on my own. And, uh, and, and I wonder if, if likes of a retreat day or, or even four or five hours away from home, giving yourself an opportunity to do some self reflection how am I uh, feeling what, what am I thinking about how is my mental energy what 's my emotional capacity like? How am I doing spiritually? so to do, do a bit of a uh, an NCT check on ourselves to see what, 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 what some of the some of the issues are and, and then basically to invite the Holy Spirit to come and and, and revealed us what, 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 what some of the deeper uh, deeper issues are that um, that the the gospel can speak to. So I think a retreat day or a few of them could be great. And uh, and I mean Vaughn can help you with that in one sense. He can go and do the dishes and he can. <laughs> oh, oh I'm, I'm serious. Honestly, these, these this things. Is, need, this
1: is a word for our brother yeah. Vaughn right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the,
0: <laughs> these things need need planned and scheduled. But but I mean if if, if we if we want want change then we need to we, we need to put steps in place. Um, to facilitate that. Mm. Uh, Jez, what has been most the most helpful thing for you personally to grow as a Christian?
1: Thanks very much. Yeah, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to say one specific thing, but to mention a few things briefly, I think uh, mixing it up a little bit in terms of personal devotions, I've often found very helpful. So, I received a book for Christmas that was a, a kind of A pattern of readings for each day of the month that you repeat throughout the year that takes you through Bible reading, confession, adoration of God. It has little sections from um, confessions of faith in the past throughout Christian history and just gives some structure to a a personal time of prayer and Bible reading that I find if I just sitting there with my Bible can often be quite hard work just to take myself through all those different steps. So Using different resources for structure for our personal times, I found really helpful. Another thing I found a huge blessing is bringing uh, what what I would call family worship into the home. So I was very challenged about that about three years ago, um, that in different parts of Christian history in particular, and to this day as well, um, that there's often been a practice of daily gathering to read the Bible, to discuss it, to pray, and to sing, so I have found that a huge blessing mm. personally, and I think that's something that could be done in households, even with Christian housemates, if we have them, so that's been an enormously helpful thing. And then, maybe just a final thing, I think there's no way to grow as a Christian without being deeply immersed in Christian community. I love the old image, you'll have heard it, of a coal in the fire. Mm-hmm. If you have it in the fire, it burns brightly. If you take it out and put it to one side, it won't take long for it to go very cool. And the tendency of my heart, and I think of all of our hearts, is to go cold. So hmm. we will not grow as Christians just accidentally. We will grow cold if we do nothing, I think. So we need to hmm. stay in that fire with other believers.
0: So, Jez, then on the flip side of that, how yeah. do we recognise the world shaping us? And, and yeah. how, how do we resist?
1: Well, I think the first thing is to, rec- to recognise the fact that the world is shaping hmm. us. That's, right. That's the most important thing. We need to be alive to this, because it's the world that we've grown up in, maybe, maybe we weren't born in this country, maybe we were, but in our home country it will have been the same, there are certain assumptions, certain values we grow up with that are, are from our culture, and um, not, not, not I mean from the media as well, from TV, from social media, from all the rest of things, you know, in a thousand ways throughout the day, from the adverts we see on the bus, from the ways in which our friends and colleagues speak, we're being shaped and molded and discipled um, according, let's say, to to the pattern of the world. And not all of that is bad. You know, there are some really good things um, in, let's say, society at the moment that we can affirm and we can get behind, but not all of them are compatible with a biblical worldview. So I say the first thing is we need to recognize that discipleship program is happening, Mm, and then we need to find a way of opting out of it Hmm. in a sense and being in our own discipleship program and here again I'd point us to Romans chapter 12 where Paul says do not be conformed to the pattern of the world which is what will happen naturally but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and how do you renew your mind you have to be in the Bible you have to be in Christian community you have to be bringing this this mind detector in a sense to every part of my life. Where is mm. it beeping? Mm. Where is the Bible speaking to me that I hadn't realized there was something there but actually God's word speaks into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be, live radically uh, distinctive to the world. And it's really interesting to see uh, just where we haven't opted out uh, uh, from the, the things of the world and where our lives are actually uh, no real difference to those who do not yet follow Jesus. And so, um, I mean, yes, we are called to opt out. I think it's great, yes, But understanding where and how we are, are, are to opt out and then what it looks like then to replace that with the gospel. How does the gospel give me hope um, where previously my job did or my security hmm. or perhaps my, my, my sexuality or my, my friends, my, my wealth? Because we are all being discipled by, by something. And so it's key to find what, where the rubber hits the road. What, what are the touch points here? So I think, I think it's important to, to engage with that. And it's back to this taking a re- retreat day, taking some time for self-reflection. Um, Matthew heard the call and left his position as a tax collector. However, is there a place to hear the call and to stay in the job, but in a changed way? Uh, it's a class question. Let, let me just say, Matthew's call um, wasn't specifically away from his job, even though he was called away from his job. His call was away from a, a sinful lifestyle. So it was, a, it was a call away from a life of sin and on to a life of fallen Christ. And often in the, New, in the New Testament, you will see that the, the tax collectors and sinners are lumped into one category. And you've got the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders lumped into another category. And so whenever it's saying about being a tax collector, sure, that was his, his job as a title. But what it was shown was actually he's, he's living in such a way that is, is sinful and it's counter to the way that, uh, that Christ wants him to live. Um, and, and the thing is, tax collectors in those days were charging people an extortionate amount. And not only an extortionate amount for the government, but also for themselves. They would have uh, taken a, a good skim off the top. And so, uh, as Jez said, they, they, were, they were collaborators, they were corrupted. And, and so really, ca- can you stay, and here's the challenge, can you stay in a role as a follower of Jesus that is going to be counter? to the counter to the call that God has on your life. Can you live and work in such a way that is going to involve you living and engaging in active sin and rebellion against, against God? And that's a, that's a challenge. I think the answer is, the answer is no. Sure. Now here, he, yeah, yeah, the, answer, the answer is no. Now here's where it gets a little bit nuanced is whenever we are working in a, um, in a company or maybe for a multinational that has different values to us and we have to engage with that. And, and for some people, their, their level of engagement is going to mean they're going to have to take a step back and and out. And then for others, they're going to be able to operate within that. And so there's where it gets a little bit nuanced. But the reality is, as followers of Jesus, he is our first uh, first and and key and number one allegiance. I appreciate you, Steve, saying that.
1: <laughs> can I just, can I just yeah, maybe yeah, add a, a, a brief word on that, which is, I think, probably... Um, Many people nowadays, if they start following Jesus, they'll, they'll probably be in lines of work that are, let's say, not immoral in and of themselves. And the challenge for us will be, as Matthew was saying, working out what does it mean to follow mm. Jesus within that context? How can I be, and I mentioned this in my talk, how can I be a, a Christian advisor on veterinary regulation, you know, just to choose a random example, George? Or how, how can I write, how can I be a Christian writer of business reports or whatever it is that you do in the home, outside the home, what does it mean to be a a Christian doing that? Mm. And I think it's important that we don't have this mindset and I so often fall into this of this time on a Sunday morning, this is my God time, and maybe reading the Bible in the morning before I go to work, and then I turn my brain off and I just do whatever I'm doing at work and Mm. God has no place in it at all. And then maybe I pray in the evening and go to bed. That's not what Christ is calling us to. We're called to a whole of life
0: mm. discipleship.
1: So we need to wrestle through what does it look like? Mm. And just in terms of the nuance of working in challenging places, I'd commend to you, and we had a sermon series on this earlier in the year, the book of Daniel. Daniel was a civil servant working for the emperor of Babylon. And there were challenges in that, as you'll read in that book. Mm. And he needed to be wise um, and cling to God and make some difficult choices. But he, he accepted a lot. And he said no to a lot of things, and it was a tricky line to follow, but I think he did it mm. very well.
0: Cheers. last question for the sake of time. Let's, yep. let's wrap things up. So do you have any tips uh, for keeping yourself open to change and finding peace with it?
1: Thanks so much. I'd say the one thing that really struck me from studying this and that I've been challenged on myself in, in past years is trying to cultivate a posture of humility. Mm. And I am very far from having achieved that. And pride rises within me all the time. But I think if we are humble and we count ourselves with the tax collectors and Pharisees, gratefully receiving mercy from Jesus rather than with the Pharisees looking down on uh, what what Jesus is doing and having a judgmental hard heart, then we'll be in a a, a good place. So keeping that soft, humble Mm -hmm. heart that recognizes everything I have comes mm. from God and everything I do as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus is just a response mm. to the love of God that he, yeah. has, that, that, that he has poured out on me.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. Let me just say one, one final thing is that the, the gospel doesn't just save us. The, the gospel, the good news of Jesus actually sustains us. And the gospel is our motivation for change, but the gospel is also our power to change as well. And Part of the danger is whenever we look outside of that to change. And, and that gets tough. That's put, that puts pressures on us. And that's unsustainable in the long run. But the gospel is a power to change, and motivation to change. Let me just say two books. A, a writer called Paul Miller has helped uh, myself, Stephen, and, and others here. Uh, two books he wrote. Well, one was A Loving Life. And then the second one is A, a, is a Praying Life. And I would, I'd counsel you to get them books. Take a retreat day get get, get reading because it keeps you soft, keeps you pliable, and it's going to allow the Holy Spirit to bring change in, in his time uh, in our lives. Uh, is not the world or the culture constantly trying to change us? And so how should we respond to, to and how should we think about that?
1: Yeah, th- thanks very much. I think that's a, that's a really good question, because one thing I didn't really go into, but is very important, is I think we, we need to recognize, as we're living in this world, we are part of a 24-7 discipleship program that the world is taking us through. And it's very important that we're conscious of that mm. because uh, it's not just a neutral space to live in our culture. We may not all be from this country, I'm not from this country originally, but wherever we come from, there's a prevailing set of views, beliefs, ideas that are shaping us enormously mm. from the very moment that we first draw breath And that could be particularly prevalent in in the media, in social media, in the attitudes of other people around us. And so that is shaping us all the time. And very often that worldview that is forming us is at odds in certain ways or in many ways or in deeply profound ways with a biblical Mm. worldview. So we need to be conscious of the discipling Mm. work that the world is doing to us. Mm. And we need, if we're following Jesus, to make sure that we are being shaped first and foremost by Christ. And I'll just grab my Bible here. There's a wonderful Mm. verse that I think uh, is important for us all to internalize from Romans chapter 12 where Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to be making sure that we're investing in community with other believers, in church, in smaller groups. We need to make sure we're hearing from God's word, the Bible, and being shaped by it that we're listening to good Christian teaching, that we're reading good books that are mm. talking about the issues of the day so that we are not just blindly being shaped and moulded into the pattern of the world, mm. but we're being transformed to be the distinctive salt and light, the people of God that God wants us to be in this generation. And um, unless I'm completely imagining, it, we had a sermon series earlier this year, didn't we, in mm. First, First Peter, and Peter talks about this notion of being aliens and strangers mm. in the world. Or in the book of Daniel, you get more this notion of the people of God being exiles in Babylon. And the question is, how do we live as God's people in the midst of a culture that doesn't share the presuppositions and values Mm -hmm. that we have?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So we need to recognize that discipling work going on in the world, and we need to be part of God's discipling work Mm -hmm. of our lives.
0: Very good. Uh, It starts from the bottom up. So what might it look like then to live with a sprinkling of Jesus on top of the normal life that we want? Let let, let me take this one away. This is uh, what is known as as nominal Christianity. And unfortunately, this is what's really, really popular um, across across the world. In all countries, it's popular here in in Ireland as well. This is what's known as as people who, who accept Jesus through saying a prayer or raising a hand, but whose lives have never really been transformed by Christ. It's where the cost of discipleship comes and the cost of following Jesus comes, but, but it's saying, no, no, that, that, that's too high a bar. I'm I'm happy to, to say the prayer. I'm happy to turn up to church, I'm even happy to be part of a city group. I'm happy to go along to the things, I'm happy to be part of the things, but, but don't ask anything else off me. Don't don't ask me to uh, to, to surrender my life, don't ask me to, to go here, don't ask me to give up my finances, don't ask me to give give up my my, my preferences when it comes to relationships. Don't ask me to give up something that's going to cost me and going to hurt me, because even though I have the title Christian, I just deeply down don't believe that Jesus is worth giving this up for. And so I think that is what it looks like to have a sprinkling of Jesus in in the midst of your normal life, where uh, the cost of following Christ just isn't worth uh, worth living for.
1: Great. You should take another. You yeah.
0: Let's go cool. where are we at. In fact, we've got, uh, we've got um, uh, thumbs up here at the top. So what do you feel like if you've adopted this way of living and you feel stuck or trapped? That's a really good question.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's a, that is a good question. And often we can feel like we're stuck or trapped in certain ways of living. Mm. I'd want to point us to some of the things that changed in Matthew's life as a good starting point for thinking about how change can happen. And first of all, it comes from an encounter with Jesus recognizing who he is, recognizing his love for us, trying to be secure in that love for us, so that more than the value or worth we would get from other things, we're getting it from Jesus. And then more concretely or practically, what did it look like in Matthew's life? Well, it looked like a stepping aside from certain things and a pressing into his new master, his new calling, his new community. Now, in reality, that can sometimes, uh, that it can sometimes be, be hard to break free of certain things. And change can be slow and change can be complex and can require a lot of time working it through with other, other Christians. Mm. Maybe sometimes it's helpful to get help from other sources as well if there are very complex or, or deep-seated issues that we're trying to deal with. Mm. And uh, it may be a very long journey. Mm. And uh, as I said, we'll, we'll ultimately... Uh, not reach all of the change that we're meant to reach until the Lord Jesus comes back, so there'll be a certain up and down, but I think um, um, we can know growth, Mm. we can know progression as we seek to do those things.
0: And it's similar to that third question, how do I know I won't go back to the same sin if I choose to leave it behind? And, you know, the reality is for many of us, we we may well go back to that same sin, even if we have chose to, to leave it behind. And as Jay said, following Christ is a a, a process, and there are going to be ups and downs, and there are going to be lots of failures, and there's going to be lots of victories. But if we really want to leave a life of sin, then we've got to see and consider what that sin is giving us, what's lying underneath that sin. Very often we, we look at the sin, but we often miss the sin that lies underneath the sin, our, our, our sin gives us something, and it's really key to try to figure out and consider what is it that this sin is giving me? What, 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 what am I seeking from this that I don't believe that Christ has already given me? And so it's a sin that lies underneath the sin, and so quite often trying to address what, what that uh, underlying sin is gives us a much better um, opportunity to address the root issue. And, you know often this can't be done or that it's quite hard to do on your own, and this is where I think community plays into it. For, for me, having a life group, uh, a bunch of three or four other lads at a similar age and stage, who uh, I, I'm able to disciple and train, hold to account, but also they're able to do the same for me, and able to ask questions, and been able to, 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 to press in and ask the hard things that I maybe am not willing to ask of my own heart. And so I, I think this is best done in uh, in, in community, uh, same-sex people, and, uh, and, and do it in such a way that you're, you're offering your life uh, quite vulnerable and quite open so that other people can speak into it. Jez, I don't know if you want to add anything to yeah, that.
1: or No, I think you covered it all. Well, yeah. oh,
0: praying into the next season, yeah. how have you prepared and heard from the Lord in seasons of change in your experience so that you know the changes from God? Yeah, very good.
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a really good, uh, that's a really good question. I think maybe just a lot could be said. Maybe one reflection that I would want to say in this is when we think about guidance, and I hope I'm not misreading the question. When we think about guidance, how do we know what to do in a particular circumstance? It seems to me that sometimes we can get hung up with, how do I know exactly what God wants me to do? So mm. how can I know which job God wants me to take? Or who God wants me to marry or some other thing like that, where God wants me to study. Mm. Whereas I think the stress of the New Testament is much more on what God is doing in our character as we make decisions in those areas and how we are acting from a posture of trust Mm. uh, uh, and uh, growth in our following of Christ as we make those sorts of decisions. So there are some great books and resources that Mm. help us think through decision-making. One Mm. I enjoyed a lot was just Do Something by mm-hmm. Kevin DeYoung, and he talks about that whole uh, whole thing I've been talking about a lot, but I think this point of God is trying to get us to a place where we're trusting in him um, mm. rather than giving us specific answers, and then we step forward in, in faith and uh, seek to honour God with the mm. decisions we make.
0: Very good. In January February, we're going to have a decision-making seminar after the service. Uh, come along to that, because that often uh, is a question that's answered there. Uh, Jez, what has been the most helpful thing uh, for you growing as a Christian?
1: Yeah, thanks. I'll just say two things. One thing I've found very helpful is sometimes mixing up my personal devotions. So I was given a gift at Christmas last year of a a book that goes through the days of the month and has some set readings for each day, confession, adoration, um, prayers of thanksgiving, quotations from different creeds and catechisms from church history, I found that very helpful in giving some structure because sometimes just to sit there with a Bible and prayer and no external supports can be hard work, at least uh, I found that. So a bit of structure and then mixing it up, doing it differently has been helpful. And then I was very challenged also about three years ago to start bringing uh, the practice of of family worship Mm -hmm. uh, into my home. Uh, That's the practice of daily gathering to read the Bible, to discuss it, to pray and to sing. And I've found that's been an enormous blessing, but maybe the single greatest blessing mm-hmm. and cause of growth and encouragement in, in my walk with Christ in the last few years has been that, that piece of seeking God in the home. Uh, we'll be in different life stages, but some mm-hmm. of us will be married already, have, uh, um, have children already, some of us might have Christian housemates. There are different ways in which we could do that. Or we might wanna gather with others throughout the weekend mm-hmm. and do that when we are able, but I think bringing that Prayer, Bible, singing into the home is mm. a is a very encouraging and beneficial thing to be doing, which I highly commend to all of you. Mm. Uh,
0: very good. Two things on on my end. Uh, I, I think one, arming yourself with uh, godly uh, men and women who are maybe slightly older, maybe even at a similar stage, but but even more spiritually mature than you. People who will uh, help you follow Christ, because I mean this is a this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And then. Um, uh, Secondly, I think teaching myself how to self-feed, in one sense, not just coming to church, not even just coming to City group and, and hearing the talk, but, but actually feeding myself in terms of scriptures, in terms of uh, books, in terms of actually following Christ. So I, I think, uh, in one sense, many of us are, are, are learning through college and workplace and whatnot. It's the very same in the Christian walk. We must be lifelong learners, who have never made it but there's always a lot more that we can experience. And so I think being able to self-feed uh, alongside having, having good godly men and women around us are, are key as well. So, Jez, yep. is there a place for sacrifices and external religious yeah. observances in growing as a Christian?
1: Yeah, I think there is in a sense, and uh, I wouldn't want what I said to be misheard. I don't think we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think what Jesus was critiquing in the Pharisees was a kind of life of faith in which everything was about the things they did mm. and the heart was completely neglected. And I think as we, as we read the New Testament, clearly there are, there are certain ways in which Christians are called to live. And that's very clear. And we could talk about lots of those things we're called to do, things we're called to avoid, uh, certain convictions we're called to build in ourselves. That is all really important. But um, those things that we do, if you like, have to flow from uh, the right heart. And I mm. think that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. If I do all of this brilliant God stuff, but actually I have not love, and my heart is cold and harsh and judgmental, and I've drifted away from God on the inside, then what's the point of all of that? So um, I think maybe the, the, the best way of thinking about it is that we should be doing these things from a place of response mm. to the love of God poured into our lives. And that Matthew, he was responding to God's grace, noticing him an outcast, a hated man, calling him, of all people, to come and follow Jesus, this celebrated rabbi. And so Matthew followed him in response to the love that Christ had showed to him and the love that he would show Matthew ultimately in going to die for him on the cross. Mm. And so all of this, these things that we do, the disciplines, the let's say the, 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 the moral teachings, whatever, that we seek to follow... They all need to flow from that place of responding to the love of God in Christ.
0: Hmm. And bear in mind that whenever Christ came, he came to do away with the, the old uh, religious sacrificial system. And, uh, and the writer of Hebrews in chapter nine tells us that, that, that Christ uh, became that sacrifice once for all. And so um, in some respects, if we were to offer sacrifices, then we got to consider why, why we would want to do that. Are we offering sacrifices to get right with God? Because in doing so, we would effectively be saying, well, well, Christ's sacrifice was not sufficient for me. So whenever it comes to sacrifices, we've got to consider, are we offering sacrifices because we have already been made right with Christ and we want to live sacrificially for him? Then that's great. But if we want to offer sacrifices or maybe maybe give a tithe or give a little bit more money or or do this, that and the other Mm -hmm. to try to make ourselves right with God, and ultimately, we're doing nothing, nothing more than what the, the Pharisees were doing, and and realistically, that is a it's a, a works based salvation, which is no salvation at all. Mm. And I actually think that is a, a way of not just not growing as a Christian, but actually uh, re- receding, drawn back as a follower of Jesus. So, last question. Go no, for so it, a quick yes, word on the last,
1: No, on the last question. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it says, um, can adapting good and healthy habits be a contributing factor to keep us in the mindset of change? and to help us not fall off in the process mm-hmm. of change. Just would say that God is not just interested, if you like, in the spiritual, in our minds, in our hearts, but he created us. Mm. He knows us. We're physical beings. To choose a few examples from the Bible, it's interesting. Paul tells Timothy to drink a little wine for his stomach he mm. cares about the physical. Uh, God tells Moses that he's stressed, that he doesn't have enough co-workers helping him to lead the people of Israel. So that's mm. just a very practical thing. We read in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 127, God gives his beloved sleep. Sleep is also a gift from God. So I think, uh, yeah, in seeking a healthy lifestyle, thinking about what we eat, our exercise, our sleep, us as physical embodied people is is absolutely sensible and Mm. part of God's wisdom for us. And I think I would say a helpful complement to this process of change that God is seeking to do in the lives of everyone. Mm. who is ready to make space for that change and to try and be the kind of new wine skin mm. into which God can pour his mm. new wine.
0: Very good. So it's, it's out of the change in the heart that these, these habits should flow rather than the, the habits coming so that the heart can be changed. Is that, is that right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I'd see these things as working, mm. working together in a sense. I think, mm. you know, the heart is the wellspring of all mm. of this. Yeah. Um, but we're... Yeah, I don't want to slice and dice mm. us, if you like. We're, we're integrated people, and I think, mm. um, I, I think these things can play a part. Yeah. But how do you see
0: it? I mean, uh, the heart is deceitful above all else, um, first and foremost. And uh, I think all, 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 all change, and, and if you're a follower of Jesus, all change is going to flow from the heart initially. Everything we do comes from it. As you say, it's a wellspring of life. Um, but the, the, the power to change and the motivation to change must come from the gospel. Because, I mean, I, I, I could put some pressure on you and, and you, you, you could change and I could hold you to account and, and I could be messaging and checking in, how are you doing? Are, are you doing okay? Or you, you haven't done this again? And I could apply a bit of external pressure. But in applying a bit of external pressure, that may, may modify your behavior. But that'll only last for a certain, certain amount of time. And when it comes to following Christ, he's not interested as much in behaviour modification than life transformation. And, and the behaviour will modify as the life is being transformed, but to try to modify the behaviour and the hope that the life then becomes transformed will ultimately, um, will ultimately crush us in the, in, in the long run. So I think it, all, it comes initially from the heart, and change comes from the heart, and then it's worked out in these in these practical steps. But as you say, we don't want to slice and dice that. We don't want to separate the two. But radical change must come through the pathway of the heart, first and foremost, I think. There um, we go. Wow. How are we for time? 49, we are, we are slightly over. Jess, <laughs> would you close in prayer? Yeah, would love please? to. Hmm.
1: Right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we've, we've come together this day to sit under your word and to hear from you, to sing with one another, to pray, to be with one another. And we thank you, God, for the change you're doing in our lives. And we pray that we would be open to that change, that we would keep looking to you, that we would trust in that great Savior who shed his blood for us, gave his life for us, and who calls us to follow him. And you'd help us to work out in our lives daily what that means, what that looks like. And we pray you'd be with us as we go from this place, and you'd help us to keep trusting in you, and that you'd be glorified in and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Guys, that's the end of our service. Please feel free to hang around for refreshments.